Thank you, choir, and thank you, John, for reading. I once got caught by a fish. You heard that right. I once got caught by a fish. To be fair, I was out in a boat fishing myself, so I suppose that turnabout is only fair play. And I was even caught with my own hook. But I have to confess to you that being caught is a decidedly unpleasant experience. It was in college the summer before my junior year, and I was living just outside of Columbia, South Carolina on Lake Murray, waiting tables and fishing every chance that I had. One of the waitresses at the restaurant where I worked heard that I liked to go out on the lake and asked me if I would take her fishing sometime. Sure, I thought, why not? Sounds like a good time. It was a good time, and we did catch some fish, but it was all cut short by that one fish that twitched just the wrong way at just the wrong time and threw a treble hook into the side of my hand. And that in that moment, as I saw the blood begin to well up, I knew that I was well and truly hooked. Most days when you go fishing, you are the one who's doing the catching, but sometimes, as it turns out, you are the one who gets caught. And that's a lesson that Peter and Andrew and James and John learn in our gospel lesson this morning. Unlike most teachers in the ancient world, Jesus isn't content to just sit and wait and see who all comes to him. Instead, as Matthew tells us, Jesus is on the move, traveling up and down the seaside looking and hunting and fishing and calling you, he says to the brothers in today's text. Follow me. And they do. Of course, that's not how we usually talk about discipleship around here. We might be a unique congregation amongst our sister churches here in Jacksonville, but the sign by the street still says Baptist. And so we still expect people to find Jesus, to decide for themselves and walk the aisle if they want to be a member of our family of faith. And yet, from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture seems to present us with a different vision of discipleship. Instead of being a collection of stories of men and women hunting and seeking and finding God, if you look at it, it is instead filled with stories of men and women being hunted and sought and found. Adam, Eve, 
Where are you? Get out here and show yourself. God cries as he walks through the garden. Abraham, stop following the dead gods of your ancestors and instead follow me to a land that I will show you. Moses, the sheep can wait. Get over here and talk to me because I've got something more important that I need for you to do. And don't you know it? Bless his heart. Moses looks up, sees the burning bush, and he takes the bait. So it is throughout the Old Testament. And so it is throughout the New as well. We've seen these first four disciples in our Matthew text today. Follow me, Jesus says to them, and they hop too. But go and ask Mary to explain how it was that she found herself unexpectedly pregnant. For that matter, go and talk to Joseph. Joseph wanted to do the right thing, the honorable thing. Set Mary aside quietly. But too late. He was already caught. Caught up in a plan that was bigger than him in the clutches of a God who was not going to let him go and was not going to let him go and make a decision like that. Joseph, the angel said to him, stop squirming. The child in her womb is God's and as it turns out, son, you are as well. Go and ask Paul about that day on the Damascus Road. He's just minding his business, riding his horse, getting his to-do list in order for when he finally got to town and could start laying waste to the church there. Ask him if he was the one who sought out Jesus that day or if by chance as he laid there on the side of the road thrown to the ground Horse screaming, heart pounding, eyes blinded by the true light of his Lord. Ask him if he was the one who was making the decisions that day, or if perhaps he found himself at the mercy of somebody else who was calling the shots. Paul was caught. And then the next thing you know, Jesus did with him the same thing that he did with Peter and Andrew and James and John and everybody else that he has ever gotten his hooks into. He tossed him back into the water. Not to set him free, of course, but to set him loose. Jesus sent him back out into the world to go fishing himself just like he commissions all of us to do. To go and become a fisher of men. Which if you stop and think sounds sort of negative. Right? Something cruel about it, a little... Manipulative, perhaps? Maybe painful? 
As I said earlier, I can tell you what it is like to find a hook sticking out of you. It can be decidedly unpleasant. And you can see here in this text what it can do to a life. Go and ask James and John's daddy what he thought about his two boys turning their backs on the family business to instead follow around a homeless rabbi. Ask Moses. Ask Mary. Ask Joseph how their lives were changed. I'm sure they'd be happy to tell you. And yet, if I had to guess... I'd be willing to bet that none of them, not Peter or Paul, not Moses and not Mary, none of them would change a thing. Because regardless of what was changed in their lives and what was lost and what was hard, what they had found was in fact the greatest thing of all. Life. Hope. Peace, faith, meaning, purpose. They realized that they had found something there with him that they could not have found anywhere else in the world. And then, then they realized that they had the chance to share that good thing with everybody else around them. Which brings us to this morning. When was the last time we went fishing? When was the last time you went fishing? Fishing for people. When was the last time you actually told somebody about the love of God, about how God has loved you and God loves them, and how that love is shared and taught and lived here in this place? Friends, we have people all around us every day casting about for good news, for community for safety, for saviors, for things like hope and peace in everything from politics to podcasts. People around us that we love. People around us that we know and who know and trust us. And so why wouldn't we offer them something of the good thing that we have found here. Why would we not try to get them on board with what we are doing in this place? Because there's a reason. There's a reason that you and I are here. Week after week, month after month, year after year, there is a reason why we keep coming back. And it's not because of some outside compulsion, some societal pressure or parental guilt trip. 
those things died out years ago. As a couple of you have heard me say here recently, church, it just isn't that cool anymore. And yet here we are. So if it's not because of something that's outside of us that we're here, then it must be because of something that is in us, pulling us, drawing us, compelling us, holding on to us, and holding us tight through the ups and the downs of life. Something we have realized that we simply can't find anywhere else. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We cannot manifest it into our lives on our own. And some days we may not even be able to pinpoint exactly what it is, but it is there. And it's here. And it draws us. You know, in the history of the church, one of the earliest and most prevalent metaphors for the church is that of a boat. Partly that's because in church architecture from those early centuries, and it's reflected here in our sanctuary, the ceiling looked like an overturned boat. Sloping up to a ridge, exposed ribs, buttressing it all throughout. At the same time, however, the imagination of those early Christians wasn't just stimulated by what they saw when they looked up. It was also stimulated by what they saw when they looked to Scripture. And as they read the Bible, one of the tales they saw themselves reflected in was that of Noah and the ark. A great big boat that might have been built by human hands, but was only kept afloat by the grace of God. And in it all the while was life. Life protected and provided for and kept safe amidst the storms that were raging all around it. Thus it was in Noah's day, thus in the time of the early church, and thus here in Jacksonville as well. This place, H-A-B, it's not a social club, and it's not a performing arts venue, and it's not a community center. It is a place where normal people like you and me get to come together and know the love of our Lord. Where we get to learn about it, immerse ourselves in it, and reflect it back to one another and to the rest of God's children all around us. And if that's the case, 
Why wouldn't we invite our friends and our neighbors, those people whom we love, to come and share in this good thing with us? Why wouldn't we go fishing? Because, friends, you and I have been well and truly hooked. And it's the greatest thing that has ever happened to us. Thanks be to God. Amen.